Hey, we're going to go ahead and get into things in just a second here. Uh, but first, I would like to um, I would like to pray one more time, um, just so that uh, man, I don't know about y'all. I feel like I hear um, a lot of messages, like a lot. <laughs> Uh, I know that because I give a lot of messages. I feel like I've given like three this week, three different ones this week. And uh, man, it's always, you know, this week I've really felt the sense of um, get through this one, check. 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 Um, but there's really like, man, there's so much. We're talking about the goodness of God. Like the goodness of God is revealed in his word every time that we get into it. It's revealed through worship every time that we get into worship. It's revealed through prayer every time we engage into prayer. And if we're not careful, we will miss that because we just kind of go through the motions, right? It's just, it's, it's what we do as human beings. We hear a message, we have a conversation about it, um, and then maybe that's it. And then you hear the next one and that one kind of sits at the forefront of your mind for a few days and then that's it. And then you just kind of wash, rinse, repeat, right? So uh, my prayer for tonight um, is that that wouldn't be the case here. Um, it's, it's really the prayer is that uh, what we hear tonight uh, in some way, form, or fashion um, would shape and mold and transform the way that we live our lives. Uh, I, my, my hope for tonight is that uh, there is an understanding of the Holy Spirit that, that uh, nags the crap out of us, is the theological term for it. Um, <laughs> uh, but seriously, I, my hope is, is that um, whether this is a message that you hear tonight and it just seeps into your heart and it gets to work immediately, or uh, if it's one that for whatever season of life you're in right now, it's just a back pocket. I think a lot of messages are back pocket messages. <laughs> I may not need it right here today, right now, but uh, there's going to be a moment when I need the Spirit to recall these things to my mind so that I can live them out um, and actually get to experience them. So, so that's my prayer. So let's, let's, let's pray, and then, and then we'll get into things. Uh, God, we love you so much. Uh, and we're so thankful for who you are. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight um, that, that these words, that um, the words of, of Scripture would um, truly just sink down deep into our hearts. Um, Lord, help us uh, to, to focus and to hear um, and to retain and to um, just grasp everything that you want us to know and learn. God, this world or this life... Um, it's just, a, it's a beautiful journey of discovering the riches that you have for us. And I don't think on this side of heaven, we'll ever be able to fully wrap our, our minds around that. Um, but Lord, I do pray that, 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 um, that everything that we talk about tonight as, as uh, young adult ministry continues to talk about Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit um, through the month. God, I just pray uh, that there's a deep um, internalization of your spirit in each and every one of us that affects and changes and transforms the way that we live. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so let's go ahead. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 2, like Tommy mentioned earlier. Uh, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn that way. If not, we are going to have it up on the screens for you. And we're going to kind of jump around a little bit um, because there's a certain way that I kind of want us to walk through this story. Um, I'm gonna, there we go. They should really give you two ribbons. You know what I'm talking about? They only give you one in your Bible, and then, I don't know, you're using like an empty Doritos bag to mark your place for the next one or something. Um, they do. I think they make those. I'm just not holy enough for one, that's all. Um, you get that after like 10 years in ministry out here. You get a promotion. Uh, okay, uh, Acts chapter 2. We're going to take a look at this starting at verse 5. Okay, starting at verse 5, it says, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. 
and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from all over Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia. Really quick, I don't know if you ever like read the Bible, but like read it, like pay attention to it when you're reading it. Uh, so Acts is written by Luke, and Luke is kind of like a, a news reporter who's writing all of this stuff down. There's no way one person in the crowd was like, look at all these people from this place and that place and that place and that place. It's just, it's funny to me how he kind of wraps all this up inside of these few verses. Uh, but yeah, he keeps going. Um, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs. Uh, and we all hear these people speaking in their own languages about the wonderful things God has done. All these people are from all these different places, and they all hear uh, in their own languages about what God has done. It said, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Um, really quick, this is a safe place. Um, I've never been so drunk that I spoke multiple languages fluently at the same time. I don't know what they thought was going on here with them. That would be impressive, I will admit, but I've never seen anyone accomplish that. Uh, but this is Peter. Man, I love Peter. Peter always gets the bad rap as a disciple that had his foot in his mouth. Um, Peter was rough around the edges, and I know that because of verses like this. It says, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is far too early for that. <laughs> like, that was the issue. He didn't have a problem that they were accusing him. He's like, come on, catch us at 4.15. All right. <laughs> uh, it says, no, uh, what you see, I'm sorry, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And so uh, Peter starts to talk about uh, this moment that they're all experiencing. And he's talking about how the Old Testament actually, uh, it foretells of this moment that all the people who have been scattered um, all across Jerusalem are going to come back together under the name of God when something happens, right? And that something is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we'll look at in just a minute. Let's go ahead and jump past uh, Peter's message here. Not that it's not important, but, but I think for the sake of the story, we need to kind of look ahead a little bit. When he was done, we're starting at verse 37. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other disciples, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, th this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all, and all the Pentecostals said, amen. It was a great day, right? Uh, let me ask you, uh, what are you really good at? Like, what is that thing that you're like, I do this and I do it well, and it might be the best thing that I do. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to th take that thing and I want you to think of like the verb form of that thing, okay? Um, and then I just want you to add ER after it. So let's say if it's work, you feel like you work really well, 
your worker, right? Okay, I want you to turn somebody next to you. On the count of three, I want you to say what that thing is. Ready? One, two, three. You need to think about it. That's appropriate. That's fine. You're all just so humble. That's really what it is. It's just, I can feel the humility in the room. <laughs> Listen, whatever, whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is that you feel like you're really good at, it becomes very easy to kind of identify yourself with that thing, right? Uh, I mentioned earlier, I have been, uh, I have been preaching a lot this week. Um, and I enjoy preaching. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I love being able to dive into the Word and look at it and, and to be able to find a way to, to kind of express that to other people in a setting, especially like this, is really encouraging. Um, but let me tell you something. As a preacher, uh, verses and chapters like this become highly problematic, for me at least, um, because for a really long time, I read this verse like the worst way possible. It was complete butchering of everything that God intended for it. Uh, I totally didn't get the point. If you've been around church for a while and maybe you've heard this passage before, you hear, you know, Peter, he goes out and he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. And this is normally a point where preachers will make the joke like, man, I wish I had that message. Well, read your Bible because it's in there. It's the part that we skip, but it's in there, right? And so I remember reading this and be like, man, I couldn't imagine going out and preaching a message that was so good and so spot on. (laughs) that 3,000 people get saved just like that. And then if you keep reading on, more and more people getting added, added to this number daily. And I'm like, man, what, what is it that he does, right? And so my natural inclination for this is thinking, well, oh, let me look at what Peter said, and maybe if I formulate an outline that's just as crisp and as clean and hits the three points the way that his does, then, then maybe I can present a message like that. Or in other times, I've had the thought where, oh, it clearly it's just the platform. Like, you give me 3,000 people, I got you, man. Like, Jesus, come on, let's do this, right? Maybe that's the way that you think about it. Maybe uh, we assume, like, oh, that was biblical times. Things are a little bit different now. Like, if we had a fire worship set beforehand, like, if we had, if we had Tommy and, and we had somebody whose voice can go where no man's voice has gone before, like, then we would really crush this whole thing. And so what's happened a lot of times in church culture, and, and even for us as individuals, is we found ourselves trying to manipulate things the exact same way, right? Oh, well, if I just have this, or if I spend this amount of time in my Bible every day, or if I uh, spend this amount of time in prayer, or if I somehow find, have you ever had this? I know this was big for me growing up. If I can formulate the correct sentences and prayers that move the heart of God, then everything would change. But the issue here is the same thing that I faced when I would read through Acts chapter 2. See, I would always look at what Peter did, and I always thought that's where the power was. But it's not. The power is in what comes right before that. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 It says, on the day of Pentecost, as the believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. What Tommy was talking about earlier, fire and wind, come and do it again, this is is where that comes from. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And then that's when we go into the portion that we read at the beginning of this. What comes unlocked when you, when you take this entire story into account 
uh, is that Peter's eloquence had little to nothing to do with it. Um, as a matter of fact, the NLT, I think, at least in, in what I found, is the only translation that I find that says that the words of Peter pierced their hearts. Uh, so many other translations say the message of Peter is what pierced their hearts, that God was doing something behind the scenes that Peter could never do. Here's the thing. Even if I could string together the right, the right, I can't even do it now, the right string of words, even if I could piece together the right string of words to communicate, to do what Peter did here requires something different. I think that's the reason why Luke takes the time to explain all of the people groups that were there and all of the languages that were represented. Because I think that Luke wanted us to look at this and say, there is no way that any human could accomplish the things that God was accomplishing here on this day. And so when we look at our faith, at our faith, don't look at your face. If you look at our faith, I wonder if the reason why so many of us aren't experiencing God is because we've somehow eliminated God from the equation. Like we've removed God from our faith in a sense, okay? I'm not saying that you don't pray to God. I'm not saying that we don't sing to God. I'm not saying that when you come together like this, that we're not doing it in the name of God. However, we have a tragic issue uh, in our faith communities of neglecting the Holy Spirit, who is God. <laughs> so we try to accomplish the things of God without the presence of God, and it creates tension. It creates a problem. You see, we live in a culture where it's so easy to fabricate emotion. It's so easy to manipulate a feeling. And so we try to take that and we try to bottle it up. But I want to ask, like, Man, if we have, this is the reason why I love what we do in here. Like, that's such a big part of it, right? Man, when you, when you strip away the fog machines, and you strip away, uh, uh, man, if you take away the coffee, <laughs> if you turn the music down just a little bit, like to an appropriate volume, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let me ask you something. If all of that happened, would you walk into a church service and say, well, that's it, today's a wash, it's not going to be that good today. Why? Oh, because the lights don't work. Because <laughs> the lights don't work? The Holy Spirit can't move because the lights don't work? If we strip away everything that we know of what a traditional uh, gathering or service time or any of that stuff looks like, let me ask you something. What's left? It should be the Holy Spirit. At the core of what we do, at the center of everything that we do, at the center of the reason why we get together, it should be so that we can have experiences within the presence of God that change us from when we leave outside of these spaces, right? But here's the reality. That's not just something for us to experience in these spaces. It's something that you carry with you all the time. The experience of spending time with God and with your creator should not only happen in the confined spaces of these walls. It should happen outside of that. It should happen each and every day. This is the reason why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. It's because there should be a constant communication with the presence and the spirit of God. And I, I'm afraid that uh, a big part of the reason why we don't, uh, I, I think that the ignorance of, of what God can do or what the Holy Spirit can do is the byproduct of an ignorance of who the Holy Spirit is. When we're unaware of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how he encounters us and how he interacts in our lives, I think that's the reason why we don't get to experience the fullness of everything that the Spirit has for us. Over this entire uh, set of conversations that we've been having, uh, it's all about the idea of greater. And I think most of us would say that we want a greater faith. 
We want a faith that's full of moments like we see, excuse me, throughout the book of Acts, right? We always kind of look back at, at the book of Acts as this golden era of the church. Man, they got it right. And if, if we can get back to that, we'll be fine. Listen, they, they were just walking and living in the spirit. And so the thing that unlocks a greater faith for us is, is the same thing that gives us faith in the first place. It's a relationship with God. But it's not just a relationship with God where you say, yes, I need you, and then, cool, that's, that's it. No, you see, there's a difference between having the Spirit and embracing the Spirit. If you've said yes to Jesus before, you have the Spirit of God. It has been placed inside of you. The moment that Jesus transforms our hearts, we have communion with God at all times. We have the presence of him in us. But if we uh, suppress that, and if we don't embrace that, then we end up with dry services and dry small group times and dry worship experiences and dry fill in the blank of all the other things that we do trying to reach God when it's not about that. You realize, you realize without the Holy Spirit, everything that we do is super weird. You realize that? Like without the Holy Spirit, worship is just group karaoke. Without the Holy Spirit, sermons are just some weird one-man show. Without the Holy Spirit, baptism is just a bath. <laughs> Snack time, communion, right? Come on. <laughs> Without the Holy Spirit present in these things, there's nothing transformative about them. However, we spend so much time forgetting about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, if you ever get a chance to check it out, uh, there's one copy back there, so... Feel free to fight for it after church. I don't know if I can give your stuff away or not, Corey. Uh, but there's a fantastic book by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. Because so often we forget uh, not only what he does, but that he has power in our lives. So there's, there's really just kind of three things that I want us to walk away with um, here tonight. Uh, two of them are kind of on the negative side, but I think they're important for us to understand. Uh, and we'll end on a high note. Don't worry about that. I got you. But the first one is this, is that without the Spirit, uh, the Christian life is impossible. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. The Spirit is the thing that regenerates us and, and creates in us a new, uh, a, a new heart towards God. And as I mentioned earlier, it's so easy for us to uh, receive the gift of the Spirit and then just try to uh, kind of coast off of that without constantly filling ourselves up uh, in the sense of having relationship with him each and every day and understanding that he walks with us every single way that we go. I want to ask you this. Uh, could you imagine Peter trying to accomplish what Peter accomplished without the Spirit? It's absolutely impossible. But think about all the ways that we try to live our lives without the Spirit's leading, without the Spirit's guiding, because if we're honest, oh, we got this, right? I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I've been living life on my own for a really, really long time, and, and things seem to be turning out okay. Well, first of all, even that is just simply the grace of God living itself out in your life. But man, if we're talking about greater if we're talking about a greater life, a greater calling, a greater uh, relationship with our creator, then we have to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And the, the sad thing is, is, I don't think many of us have ever sat down to think about what would greater look like. I think sometimes we look at our faith and we go, this is what I've had. And there are times that have been really good. So we think that the really good days are like the greatest it gets. <laughs> and we think, oh, well, if I can just get back to that, then that's okay. But you know what I love about greater? 
especially with the Holy Spirit, there's always greater. <laughs> like even with the greatest, there's always more. There's always, let me, this is, I have been thinking about this since high school. It's probably like a legitimate thing. The presence of God is the only thing that I know in this entire world where you passionately pursue it, constantly hungry for more of it, but you're completely satisfied the entire way. I don't know how that works. There's this beautiful paradox of the kingdom that, hold, that the Holy Spirit offers us. And I love the fact that we're so satisfied in who he is. Like when we have moments with the Holy Spirit, it's so satisfying. However, there's also this insatiable desire and hunger for more and more. And so, so the real question becomes, what are you doing to cultivate that hunger? Are you reminding yourself of your need for the Holy Spirit constantly? And the second thing is, uh, not only is, is the Christian life impossible without the Holy Spirit, but uh, the, the Christian life is exhausting without the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Um, the fruit of the Spirit. Does anybody know it? Just start throwing them out if you know one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering, grace, I don't remember. It might be. Those are all good things. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Uh, how long do we have to keep trying to conjure those things up for ourselves before we realize there's something better? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like how long are we going to try to uh, dig from empty wells to love people that are hard to love? How long are we going to try to uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel for self-control in areas where we, we clearly don't have any? Peace. Man, how long are we going to run to everything other than God to supply us with the only the things that God can give us? I think part of the reason why we as Christians find ourselves so tired time after time after time is because we're trying so hard to accomplish through every new study and every new conference and every new podcast the things that only God can give us. And here's the thing. This is the part that makes me so mad about me. <laughs> it's that I, I get that. Like, I can say that in here, and I can know that. And guess what's going to happen? The moment things go dry again, I'm going to say, oh, well, I need to, and I need to, and I have to, and I have to. When God already did, man, and he's filled us with his spirit. I love the way that Romans 8.11 uh, puts this verse. Um, can we throw it up? I think we have it. Uh, it says that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. If you feel dead on the inside, it's because you need a resurrection. And that's the reason why God gave us his spirit inside of us. To breathe the type of life in us that we can never create or fabricate for ourselves. Um, after the past week, I was having a conversation. Corey, when am I done? I'm sorry. I'm not paying attention. Are we okay? <laughs> um, don't tell me that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was having a conversation with, um, with uh, our small group leaders, uh, the middle school coordinator over at the Apex campus, and I was talking to small group leaders last weekend, um, and two weeks ago was rough. Last week was rough. Today was rough. But two weeks ago was especially rough. Um, as y'all know, there was the active shooter situation in Raleigh. Um, there was a teenager whose family attends this campus, and unfortunately that teenager took his own life that same week. And I remember meeting together with leaders uh, that morning 
and, and talking to last Sunday morning. And I'm saying, hey, look, these are all the things that happened this past week. Uh, have fun talking to your kids about it. Like, recognize that there are going to be students who have heard these stories, who know about these things, and who are hurting as a result of all of them. And I just stopped and paused. And, man, I just I had to have this moment of appreciation for the Holy Spirit. Because how in the world do humans explain hurt like that and tragedy like that? Better yet, not only explain it, but how do we find any sort of solace or peace or understanding? Or better yet, in these guys' situation, how are you supposed to pastor or console someone else through that? You can't do it from your own well. It is impossible and it is exhausting. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a comforter, as a helper. And so this is a gift that we don't just receive for us. But the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he gives us gifts that are designed and used to be shared with other people. And so you can try to create those things for yourself. You can try to make those things happen. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that truly makes them possible. And the last thing that we have, I told you we would end up on an on a up note. <laughs> while the Spirit, while a life with the Spirit may be exhausting and impossible, with the Spirit, it's exciting and life-giving. With the Holy Spirit, man, this life is exhilarating. If you think Christianity is boring, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Seriously, can you imagine the disciples? I don't know how these guys ever fell asleep. I think the, like when, when they fell asleep while Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think it's because they lost hours at night thinking about what happened earlier in the day with Jesus. Could you imagine being a disciple and trying to go to bed after seeing some of the stuff that you saw Jesus do? Could you imagine being a disciple and seeing uh, Jesus cast demons out of a man and then they run into pigs and these pigs like run off a hill and you go, all right, good night, and try to go to sleep that day? <laughs> Do you ever think about the conversations that Jesus had one-on-one -on -one with the disciples, the ones that, that maybe aren't recorded in scripture? Could you imagine having a conversation with Jesus and not having an existential crisis every night? <laughs> Because I think the thing that made it so exciting was not just that Jesus told me these things about myself, but that Jesus told me things that changed the paradigm of life. I think the disciples, every single day, I think whenever Jesus wasn't paying attention, they were like, yo, that was crazy. <laughs> Can you believe that? Did you see what he did? I mean, there's even one of those moments recorded when Jesus calms the storm and they all stop and they say, who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Listen, Romans 8.11 says that that same power lives inside of us. So we, if we are following the leading of the Spirit, if we are walking every day in purpose, if we wake up every morning and we say, Holy Spirit, lead the way, I guarantee you that is a recipe for the most exciting day you've ever had in your life. <laughs> there was a period in, uh, I was probably around 20, uh, no, I was at least 21, 22, um, and uh, I remember, I was actually bartending. I worked at the Cheesecake Factory at the time. And I remember there was like a string of days where I would pray. I would say, God, please open up an opportunity for me to have a conversation um, about you with someone who sits at the bar today. And every single day it happened. And after like three days, I stopped praying. <laughs> but it was great. It was so amazing. 
It was wild, and it was eventually a practice that I got back into. But man, let me tell you something. When when you're walking with Jesus, it is impossible. It is impossible to just go through the status quo. As Christians, we should not find this life as exhausting as non-Christians do. Yes, there's going to be times where you're tired. There's going to be times where you need rest. But the rest comes the same way that Jesus needed rest. It was because uh, he was living the type of life that was so led by the Spirit that he was fully being poured out. And he found his rest in communion with his Father. And we have the opportunity to experience that the exact same thing. So here's how I want to close it out. Uh, I want to talk to, to three different people who are here. Um, the first is uh, to the Christian who feels like the Holy Spirit has been dormant in your life. I just want to repeat this from earlier. You can have the Spirit, but still not embrace the Spirit. I know that there are people in here who had to drag themselves here tonight. I know there are people who, when your alarm goes off in the morning and you know you want to spend time with God, you're like, can't because I don't know if I'm going to get anything out of it. I know there are people who uh, want to have a better prayer life, but every time you try, you fall asleep. And the reason why I know that those people are in here uh, is because all three of them are me. (laughs) It's like the last week of my life. (laughs) But I know that the reason for that as well is because we just need the Holy Spirit to stoke something inside of us to remind us of the importance of his presence, to remind us of the beauty of having a relationship with him. Think about this, man. We spend so much time looking back at what God has done. Like we spend so much time looking at like the miracles of the Old Testament, the stories from Acts, and we're like, man, God, that stuff was so dope. But you know what the Bible actually teaches? The Bible teaches that those people, they actually look forward to us to the day when the spirit of God lives inside of us and we don't have to go in a tent and cross our fingers that we don't collapse. They were praying for a time that God would dwell among his people, and we are that people. So let's not be the ones who just suppress the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. Uh, The second group of people that I want to talk to is the person who you haven't accepted Jesus yet. Um, This is going to sound weird, but until you say yes to Jesus, none of what we talked about is available to you. I think there's a grace that we get to receive. There, there are, um, uh, uh, the, the, the love of the Spirit is poured out, I think, on everybody. I believe that God fully gives everyone a glimpse at that. But there's something special that happens when we say yes to God and we give him permission to move in and get to work on our hearts. So if everything we've been talking about is like, man, yeah, that, <laughs> that's what I want. I need something greater in my life. I'm looking for purpose in my life. I'm looking for direction in my life. I'm looking for comfort. I'm looking for a helper. This is what the Holy Spirit promises you. And so there's my sales pitch. Um, (laughs) The third thing is this. um, Man, whichever of those two people that you are, you need to embrace the, the Spirit's moving in your life a little bit more. I think all of us do. I think all of us have that space. Right now, I know for me, I typically make that space when it's convenient. It's like, oh, I'm on vacation this week. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do. Rarely do I ask the Holy Spirit to be with me in the car ride from my home to the office. 
Rarely do I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me on every trek through the grocery store. Rarely do I ask the Holy Spirit to be with me when I'm working on schoolwork or when I'm just... Well, my prayers usually sounded as, God, life sucks, help. <laughs> That's about it. Rarely is it me coming without an agenda saying, God, Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, have your way. I give it all to you. Let it rip. That's what our prayer is. That's what our prayer is. So what we're going to do in our last little bit is, Tommy, you can head back up. Um, one day I'm going to do that when you don't have a song planned. You're like, just come up here. And he, hmm? uh, <laughs> Spirit move. He will. He will. If anybody will, Tommy will. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray to close out this time. Um, and I just want to invite... I'm going to make this the prayer. If you don't want it to apply to you, it doesn't have to. <laughs> I'm going to pray in, in a way that I believe sets kind of a model. Um, my words can only do so much for your heart. I think there comes a point where all of us has to say, I can't give the Holy Spirit permission to move in your life. <laughs> but you can. And so what does that look like? Let's close our eyes together. And uh, I just want you to think about what are those things, what are those areas of your life right now that you would say are exhausting? What are the areas of your life right now that feel impossible? Holy Spirit, have your way. I want to bring this question a little bit closer to home, but what are those parts of your faith that feel exhausting? What are the parts of your faith that feel impossible? Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, thank you. God, we are coming to you as a room full of broken, undeserving people. Lord, it is a miracle that you put clothes on our back every day. And yet that is insurmountable to the miracle of you putting your spirit inside of us. And God, I want to pray that we would never take that gift for granted ever again. God, I want to pray that we would never uh, suppress you, that we would never uh, grieve your spirit as the word says. God, there's so many things about life that have us confused and worried and stressed, and anxious, and overwhelmed, and ready to give up.
but we can trust that you love us. And God, because you love us, you sent your son Jesus down to die on a cross for us. And right before he went to that cross, he said, hey, I'm going to leave. But it's actually better for you that I leave because then I will send my spirit. God, I pray that Acts chapter 2 isn't just something that we read with googly eyes and say, man, could you imagine? But instead... Let us read Acts 2 and say, God, thank you for what you started then and what you're doing in our lives now. Thank you for the way that you've poured out your spirit on each and every one of us so that we can live the greater life that you've called us to. God, you didn't leave us alone in our darkness and in our misery to fend for ourselves or try to figure it out for ourselves. But instead, you have... You have given us your spirit. You have given us the mind of Christ so we can live life for your purposes and your mission. And God, that's what I pray for each and every person here in this room. Father, we love you. Thank you for your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.